You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Football is back. Football is back. NFL football is back. And Dak Prescott is back to being overrated and not worth $40 million. Patrick Mahomes looks like an MVP. Football is back. Thank God. I've missed you. I've missed you. I've missed you. And I didn't lose any money gambling this weekend. But there's always next weekend. I got some football takes on a Monday. Welcome, welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Happy Monday to you and yours. You see this big smile on my face? It's not just because of what I said at the open about football being back, although that's a big reason why, uh, because the NFL action was pretty amazing, I have to admit. And look, I've been sour at the NFL uh, and their players for a long time, but I got to admit, those games yesterday mm, kept me on the edge of my seat. And... But the real reason for my smile, what an incredible weekend I had. A road trip to Dallas and got to hang with my man, uh, Tony Evans. Got to meet uh, Dr. Tony Evans, one of the great ministers uh, working today. Got to visit his church Sunday morning and then got back here in time to uh, binge on football. Uh, So it was a fantastic weekend. Family, football, and faith. Faith, family, football. It was awesome. An awesome weekend. So I'm re-energized and excited about today. Capped off my Sunday of football gluttony, uh, watching House of the Dragon again. Uh, So we will talk about that. We will have a review of House of the Dragon uh, with the three lovely ladies, Jason's Angels, uh, Jill Savage, Tiffany Odom, and Lauren Chin. Uh, we'll be here to talk some uh, House of the Dragon. Should I call them Jason's Angle or will that get me in trouble? Uh, anyway, I, I, anyway, the ladies will be here to talk House of the Dragon. I may ask Steve Kim to stick around and talk some House of the Dragon with us. Steve Kim's going to be here very shortly to talk football, football, football. I'm not going to let Steve Kim uh, force in his college football takes, and I know he's got a bunch of them. I'm sure he wants to talk about Scott Frost. I'm sure he wants to talk about the Miami Hurricanes. I'm sure he wants to talk about all that college football stuff. We're talking NFL. We're talking NFL. And so uh, let me start uh, the fire where uh, Dak Prescott left off. Uh, the Dak Prescott pity party kicked off Sunday night. Shortly after it became obvious the Cowboys would struggle to score on the Buccaneers, Uh, In the nightcap of the NFL's opening Sunday, Prescott's Cowboys managed a single field goal in a 19-3 loss to Tampa Bay. Tom Brady versus America's team was supposed to be the Top Gun Maverick of the football weekend. Instead, it was a snooze fest, largely because Dak can't fly at Brady's altitude even for short stretches. 
Dallas's $40 million a year quarterback is worth half as much as Brady, but is paid twice as much as the seven-time Super Bowl champion. At age 45 and entering his 23rd season, Brady charged the Buccaneers $15 million this season for his services. Brady has always played for less money than he's worth because he's always prioritized winning above salary. Brady is self-aware. The 199th pick of the 2000 draft, Brady has never forgotten he needs to be surrounded by a high talent level to win games. He left New England because Bill Belichick wouldn't buy him the talent he needed to excel. Tampa has and will. <laughs> Dak Prescott, on the other hand, he's gonna regret forcing Jerry Jones to give him a $160 million contract a year ago. The big contract comes with big expectations and a lack of sympathy. Sunday night, when Dak jogged off the field after injuring his thumb, Cowboys fans booed their quarterback and a couple of people tossed their trash at the seventh year player. Prescott is no longer the Mississippi State underdog, the fourth round pick who unseated Tony Romo in 2016. Prescott is an overpaid, average quarterback who doesn't mask the deficiencies of his teammates or coaches. There's nothing special about Dak Prescott. He's a very poor man's Tom Brady who is being paid like he's Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen. No one in Dallas really cares that Mike McCarthy is a bad head coach or that Jerry Jones is a mediocre general manager or that Dallas's offensive line and receiving core are suspect. No one cares that Dallas offensive coordinator Kellen Moore is unproven and perhaps in over his head. Prescott is one of the 10 highest paid quarterbacks in the NFL. He's supposed to mask problems, not accentuate them. Last night, Prescott exaggerated Dallas's problems. The guy's inaccurate. He completed less than half of his passes. His arm strength isn't exceptional. He's not a dynamic runner. He's Tom Brady without Tom Brady's intangibles. Brady's number one intangible, self-awareness. Being married to a filthy rich supermodel, Giselle Bundchen, at least for now, makes it easier for Brady to compromise on his NFL contracts. I get that. But at some point, a quarterback like Prescott needed to figure out an extra five to 10 million a year wasn't going to be worth the raised expectations. Cowboys fans wouldn't be booing Prescott if he was the 15th highest paid QB rather than the eighth. Prescott isn't Lamar Jackson. I actually believe it would be easier to win a Super Bowl with Prescott than Jackson. Prescott is a pocket quarterback. Jackson is a dual threat improviser. Over the long haul, football rewards the pocket passer more than the scrambler. Having said that, Jackson's value to the Ravens far exceeds Prescott's value to Dallas. Jackson is an elite runner who can win games without elite receivers and an elite play caller or even an elite offensive line. Same can be said for Josh Allen. Josh Allen's got as many or more rushing touchdowns than even uh, Lamar Jackson. Dak's not one of those guys. He's just not. You don't pay someone that can't go out and win games all by themselves. You don't pay them $40 million a year, and those guys shouldn't want it. 
if you can't win games. Tom Brady knows exactly who he is, and that's why he's never been overpaid one season in his career. Anyway, let me go back to Dak. And let me finish my point about Lamar Jackson. Because Lamar showed a big pair, and he's out there playing without a contract extension. He gave him the Friday deadline. Lamar Jackson deserves whatever. They're going to overpay Lamar Jackson, and he's going to have earned it already. He single-handedly carried Baltimore for four straight years. Dak doesn't carry Dallas. He makes the ride smooth when the Cowboys have the necessary pieces to roll. Dallas doesn't have the necessary pieces. Last night's thumb injury is the luckiest break Dak caught against Tampa. He's going to miss the next six to eight games. He has an excuse for a poor season. The Cowboys will fire Mike McCarthy at some point this season. Dak will start the 2023 season with his third head coach. It'll likely be Sean Payton. Jerry Jones will ask Payton to turn Prescott into Drew Brees. Payton will fail. Brees had elite accuracy. Dak doesn't. It's going to be a long pity party for Dak. The excuse makers will blame McCarthy and Jason Garrett who's Dak's original head coach. They're gonna blame, they're gonna play the race card very soon. They might have even done it today, who knows. But the race card will be played eventually for Dak Prescott. He won't ask for it, but the media will just jump in and say, ah, oh, it's racism. Cowboys should have surrounded him with this or that, and they would have if it was a white quarterback, if it was Tony Romo, if it was this, if it was that, if it was this. The only reason why they're booing, the Dallas fans are booing Dak Prescott is because he's black. Mm-mm. Greed and ego, that's what undermined Dak Prescott. His greed and ego and his agent's greed and ego. Todd France, I said it at the time, this is not uh, uh, 2020 hindsight. I said it the entire time. Don't pay Dak. Don't give him too much money. Once those expectations elevate, it's gonna elevate for his teammates, it's gonna elevate for the fan base, and next thing you know, he's gonna be sitting on a bunch of money and be miserable and be in the frying pan. And there's some of you out there that are like, well, at least you got the money. You always get the money. It don't matter. Them Dallas fan people in Texas, Texas is one of the most racist states in the country. If, if they had such as a, Cam Newton should be their quarterback. None of that is going to fix the hell Dak is about to experience now that all the burden is on him and he can't meet those expectations. Dak Prescott's a nice guy. Dak Prescott is a great guy. He just is getting paid too much money for his limited amount of talent. So I got a bunch more uh, football takes, but I just want to start there, bring in the Korean Cosell. It's always fun to start uh, the first Monday of the NFL season talking Cowboys and talking Dak Prescott. Uh, Dak Prescott was miserable last night. Uh, Steve, I'm sure you agree with me uh, that Dak was terrible, and he deserved those boos, and the, those boos were rather predictable, and this whole thing, oh, they threw trash at him or whatever. I'm, the race card's going to get played, but th this is the price of admission where you're getting paid $40 million a year. Well, to be fair to Dakery Prescott, uh, here's the issue. To play behind that current offensive line, you have to be... Fearless. I, but with that said, I, I don't disagree. 
And you were with Pastor Tony Evans, right, this past weekend. You guys yes. should have said a prayer for the Cowboys. They have no shot. <laughs> In fact, I have a theory. I don't even think Dak's injured. I think he's faking it. I don't think he wants to play oh, behind that stop it. line. I don't think he wants to play behind that line because Eric Williams, Nate Newton, Mark Stepnoski, 2A, they're not walking through that door, and they're awful. And, and the issue is Amari Cooper would look really good as an extra target, but if you really think that the next month and a half, two months, you're going to survive with Cooper Rush, you might as well start tanking, and if you're Mike McCarthy, um, call the realtor. Get that for sale sign up on your residence in Dallas because it's over. And now the question is, is Sean Payton the next coach? But yes, with big paychecks come big expectations, and there is a responsibility. Jason, as I'm watching this game last night after a full weekend of football, one thing hit me. This was not Tom Brady's greatest game. But as he's consistently chipping away and making it work, think about this. I mentioned how bad the Dallas offensive line is, especially without their all-pro left tackle, Tyron Smith. You know what's funny? First five days of the Buccaneer training camp, they lost at least two starters. I mean, and I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, so what's the difference here? Look, does Brady have more weapons, like a young Julio Jones who suddenly found the fountain of youth? But his ability to tie it together and to understand, look, not everything is perfect. We're a little bit weakened in the offensive line, but I'm going to make this work. And, and I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Nobody takes a dime and a nickel and makes it a dollar like Tom Brady. And, and, here's, and you don't think this guy's going through stuff? I mean, he already knows when he goes back home, he's going to sleep on the couch. And I'm thinking that's the difference. Dak, even when he was in that game, he was not making a dime and a nickel a dollar. In fact, it looked like two pesos. It's sad. Sad. Uh, Korean Cosell. Yeah. We just heard your fire starter. You went all over the map. You covered a potpourri of issues, a buffet of I'm issues. Yes. Uh, we're we're going to start calling this uh, Fearless with the Korean Cosell and Jason Whitlock. Uh, <laughs> oh, come with a rake? Call my agent. He's got a promotion. Could you, could you do me a favor? I yeah. just want to talk about Dak for right now. Yeah. Just for right now. We're going to get to all that other stuff. It's not, you act like I haven't shared the game plan with you. We're going to talk all those. We're going to get into Brady and Giselle and all that other stuff. You don't have to spit it all out at one time, but but I get it. I can't control you. This is the problem. You're a diva. You're tu you've turned into the biggest diva on this show, yeah. Cosell, and, and deservedly so. I, I can't replace you. Uh, <laughs> And so I can't you know control what we got going? You. We got the Ditka McMahon thing. You call one play, I change it at the line. That's what's going on here. I, 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 I see that. I see that. <laughs> it sounded like if I was listening closely to that buffet of ideas you threw out there, did I hear some excuse making for Dak Prescott in that? I, I, I thought on. I heard some excuse. The guy was inaccurate, uh, Steve. I don't it, it wasn't you can't blame that on the offensive line. He was what? in it. He was throwing behind people. He was throwing over people's heads. The, I, what a, he completed like 50% of his passes. Jason, that wasn't the on the foul, I just call it like I see it. And the bottom line is this. Is that Prescott 
at the elite level of accuracy, like an Aaron Rodgers or a Mahomes? No. Absolutely right. There's never been an argument, and it supports your argument, that he should not have been in this current tax bracket. Do not disagree. But last night, that offensive line, that looked like the first day of training camp. If they couldn't protect, they couldn't run block very well, although although Zeke had a decent game statistically, but he was taken out early. But when you get hit that many times, it's only human that it's going to affect your game. Jason, we have to be fair about this. Can two things be true? Yes. Is Dak Prescott truly one of the upper-crust elite quarterbacks? No. But last night, that offensive line was terrible in every way. Both can be true, Whitlock. Come on. Yes, but I just want you to understand something. We didn't do a fire starter on the offensive line. We did it on Dak. And no one cares about the offensive line. No one can name either. Uh, Zach Martin is about the only guy on that offensive line anybody can name at this point. Uh, no one cares uh-huh. about. And, uh-huh. and, and at that price, name me Lamar Jackson's offensive line. Name me Josh Allen's offensive line. When you're getting paid that kind of money, no one cares. Aaron Rodgers was missing some of his offensive line. Didn't play all that well yesterday. But again, no one's going to make a bunch of excuses for Aaron Rodgers. You can't, at that tax bracket, there's no excuses for that. He's not a guy that masks the deficiencies, and every team has deficiencies for the most part. If you want to be like Tom Brady and take a little less money and build a better team around you, you'll have less to complain about. I, I do not disagree. I'm actually agreeing with you, but look, that offensive line may have been the worst unit I saw all of Sunday. Now, with that said, you mentioned something, and it was the elephant in the room. Dak's contract situation, there were certain people in the media that made it a racial issue, as if somehow black quarterbacks post-Warren Moon have not been getting paid. I did not understand that. Look, the days of Doug Williams as an upper-level athletic talent getting more or less money than backups are over. Every quarterback now that's above average is going to get paid, but you're right. I do wonder, did Dak Prescott understand that the more he takes, the less he has to work around him? And I actually think that is the ultimate strength of Tom Brady is understanding the big picture. That if I take 5 to $10 million less than my true market value – That's a third receiver. That could be keeping my starting guard. That could be an edge rusher that helps me win a game or two and makes it easier in the playoffs. You're right. There's a big picture thought. But this almost became like this cultural issue of get Dak paid as if somehow he was going to be relegated to being the 45th most highest paid quarterback. And that was simply never the case, Jason. And... Steve, I'm going to make the prediction. Someone today or in the next 24, 48 hours is all oh, the Cowboys fans booing him and they threw trash at him. How dare they? And, and, and athletes have been getting pe- uh, peppered with trash, cups, whatever. 
to rot. You know why they call it Rotten Tomatoes? Because actors used to get hit with Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> if the performance was no good. The, the entertainers, this is what go when they give a bad performance. This is what goes along with it. But again, we live in this woke society now where everybody will pretend like, oh, that's a bridge too far. How dare they throw something at Dak Prescott? He's got a helmet and shoulder pads on. He's running off the field. Oh, he they could have put his eye out. They could have hurt his. Give me a break. This is, you know what, again, Jason? I'm not saying. Anyway, go ahead. Go ahead. Fortunately for yeah. Dak, those fans were as inaccurate as he was last night. No harm, no foul. <laughs> He's good. Just don't do it. By the way, as a fan, I would never throw a beer or anything I bought at the stadium at a player. Have you seen those prices? Uh huh. No, couldn't be me. I'm Korean. We save all our money. Trust me. <laughs> Speaking of prices. You just made, reminded me, let me take care of a little business and then we'll come back and do uh, an approval rating on Dak. You just reminded me of somebody that's got great prices. Have you ever had a friend who has naturally talented things? They just pick up a sport, hobby, or thing and immediately become good at it? They make it look easy? If you don't have that friend, it's you. <laughs> and, we, and we all secretly despise you. The good news is, no matter who you are, you can make great food look easy with Good Ranchers. They source the highest quality meat in America. And when I say highest quality, I mean it. And more importantly, they can prove it. Each piece of meat is from real American farms and hand cut and trimmed by real American workers. They only source from farms that meet their standards of excellence, which means it's pasture raised, no antibiotics ever, no added hormones. Good Ranchers are so confident in the quality, they sell that they have 100% satisfaction guaranteed on every box they ship to you. Plus, you can use my code FEARLESS to get free shipping and $30 off on your first order. Trust me when I tell you, the only thing as good as their meat is their in-house customer service team. This is America's best meat and seafood sold by some of America's best people. They've won big awards like best food subscription and being part of the uh, Inc. 5000 list of America's fastest growing companies. But their mission is still the same, bringing everyone to the table to share the best of what makes life good. If you want the best, then go with Good Ranchers. Visit GoodRanchers.com fearless to save on American meat delivered. The other thing about Good Ranch, you can lock in your subscription. That's why I was talking about the price. You can lock in your price with your subscription and it won't change on you. Be a good fearless soldier. Feed your soldiers. Feed the people in your army. Good Ranchers because they support me, you, and us. All right. Now let's do the approval rating on Dak. Cosell, uh, we'll see how nice you're playing today. You, you, a lot of times you're, you're, you know, you're kind of weak and you try to be too nice. I don't know how you're going to do it after that three-point performance the Cowboys put up last night uh, <laughs> against Tampa Bay. But uh, job performance uh, for Dak Prescott, I went with an eight here, uh, well below average. Uh, Dak's in trouble, and now he's not available, and availability is the greatest ability, so I gave him an 8 in job performance. All right. You know what? Call me goodwill because I'm being very charitable, but Dakota Rain Prescott, I don't think it was all on him, but, yeah, he was poor. That was one of the poorest quarterback performances, but overall, his career's been pretty good, so I gave him a 10. Mm. Uh, a little high there. Character, I do think Dak's a high-character guy. I really do. 
Uh, I think it's unfortunate he let his agent talk him into being greedy here because I really think it's about Todd France. I really do. The agent has to get the big contract so he can get his next client rather than doing what's be- best for Dak. But, you know, Dak needs a backbone. Uh, I gave him a 19 in character. Jason, my view is one of the reasons why Jerry Jones paid Dak is that he acted the part. Is he a Troy Aikman? No. Is he a Roger Staubach? Of course not. Is he even a Danny White, who, by the way, led them to three straight NFC Championship games during his run as a starter? But he acted the part. He's a good face of the franchise. He's behaved. And the way he conducts himself, that's something you expect out of a number one quarterback. So I think that was a part of it. And with that, I give him a 20. Mm. Uh, Authenticity. As I said, if he were a bit more authentic, I think he would have stood up to his agent and took a little less money. But Dak's pretty authentic. I I got no knocks on him there. I give him an 18 in authenticity. Jason, you know, I got to tell you, there's no one in the world that has a representative or an employee. Hey, you know what? We're going to give you more money unless it's you. No, no, no. I'm taking less. Nobody says that. Give me a break. There's never been anyone well, in the world. No, no, no. I don't want that Tom Brady. Tom Brady. Okay, accept him. But again, <laughs> married to a supermodel. There's never been anybody that's, you know what? I don't want this race. In fact, I want more hours on a graveyard shift for less money. Come on, Jay. Be realistic. These guys have relatively short careers. They have families to feed. So I gave them a 20. It's quarterbacks okay are playing to age 50 now. Yeah. Playing A and they yeah, make a buck. They're, they're, they're playing forever. You gave him a 20 in authenticity. Let's move yeah. on to it factor. Uh, it factor, look, he's the Cowboys quarterback, so that gives you a baseline of 10 if you're the quarterback of the Cowboys. He's been the Cowboys quarterback now for seven years. Uh, that's a long stretch. So Dak's written his name into the history books. So I give him a 12 in it factor. That's, oh. that's all. You know, he's got a kind of a receding hair, hairline, uh, you know. <laughs> I, okay. I give him a I give him a twelve in it factor. Yeah. I'm stunned. I'm, I'm actually kind of lower than you. You you call ten the baseline. I went with the floor. Then I, I said ten. Uh, to me, a cowboy quarterback pops when they win playoff games. Okay, he really has not had that type of success. I mean, think about again. I mentioned Danny White. People don't actually look at him favorably, but in his first three years as a starter, taking over for Roger Staubach which is following in the footsteps of Muhammad Ali. Well, he did a decent Larry Holmes. He led some really good Cowboy teams and took some miraculous victories from the Niners to keep him out of a Super Bowl. Dak has not even sniffed that. So, again, I went with the baseline or the floor. I went with the 10. All right. We both have him at candlelit. Good job, Steve. You're in the ballpark. I got him at a 57. You got him at a 60. Uh, Don't go anywhere. I got some more football stuff I want to get to you with. Uh, you can email me at fearlessattheblaze.com. I got football takes. Thanks. All right, welcome back. Uh, let's continue our NFL uh, discussion with the Korean Cosell, Steve Kim. Steve, I don't know if you saw this. Uh, Jason Brown, I don't know if you remember the coach for Last Chance U, uh, had quite the breakdown 
on Kyler Murray, the Arizona quarterback who got paid like $46 million a year this offseason. I'm not a big fan of short quarterbacks. Uh, the guy gets a huge contract extension after just three years. He's someone that tails off, generally speaking, at the end of the season uh, because I think because he's too small for the NFL. Uh, questions about his work ethic. They tried to install a clause in his contract about independent film study. And Jason Brown, if you guys remember him, the very profane coach from uh, Last Chance U, uh, went on TikTok and started and broke down at least one play where he was calling Kyler Murray out uh, for his poor decision making, inability to read things at the line of scrimmage. Uh, Arizona got blasted by my Kansas City Chiefs. Anyway, let's take a look at uh, Jason Brown's breakdown of Kyler Murray. This is why they put in this film study f***ing contract. <laughs> First of all, you're in a dub side, dead side, reduced X receiver. So he's reduced, okay? So bottom line is he has no hot. But he don't even know where the hot is. So anyway, let's just say this is the hot. Here we go. There's a safety down, covering the corner. The corner's coming. We have no hot because it's coming from this side over. So, guess what we do in protection if we're good enough at the quarterback position? We tell this receiver, you stay, stay, stay. Now, you block this guy blitzing, and then you make your progression here. But he doesn't even look down here and has no clue what's happening. And this is coaching again. Quarterback play. You don't know what's going on. Third down, and you take a sack and have to punt it? You paid him how much? Mm. Mm. <laughs> Jason Brown uh, campaigning for an analyst job somewhere. Uh, that was pretty good stuff. I can't say <laughs> it's a thousand percent accurate. I'm sure we'll hear somebody from Arizona say, he don't even know what he's talking about. That's not what was supposed to happen. The offensive track was supposed to do this or that. But it sounded pretty good to me, and it's the kind of criticism that goes along with getting paid $46 million and for publicly complaining about that clause in the contract attached to the film study. I think it's fair criticism. Mm -hmm. I think people are going to criticize Jason Brown. Uh, but anyway, fair, unwarranted criticism. Your thoughts? Well, first of all, as it relates to Jason Brown, is the Blaze hiring? But anyway, look, the reality <laughs> is this. Going all the way to high school football, to any level of college, to the professional level, the same principles always exist in football. So I will trust Jason Brown. And by the way, I've heard a million quarterbacks say when it's a play side or face side blitz, you're responsible for seeing it and getting rid of it. And let's go back a couple months ago and we talked about this, Jason, when Murray signed this deal. The fact that they even had, and they being the Cardinals, had to put in this clause that, hey, uh, when you go home, you just can't play Warcraft or Space Invaders for eight hours. That's a red flag. I'm going to tell you this right now, Mr. Whitlock. If I have to put that clause for my quarterback that I'm going to give $40, 50000000 million to, that's not my quarterback. I'm just telling you, right then, that should have been a signal Let's move on. And and as for the Cardinals, I, it's actually funny that you bring this up about the league catching up to him. If you go back to Cliff Kingsbury's career as a head coach at Texas Tech, there's actually a stat. In every season, their effectiveness as a team and as an offense, the first six, seven games is very good. Falls apart in the second half. So teams begin to catch up to that system. 
I think that's a real thing because there's just too much data that really suggests that early on, Kingsbury can scheme things up, a lot of speed, it's difficult to defend. But over time, as the league starts to see what you're doing, the league eventually catches up at a certain point. So um, as it relates to the Cardinals, boy, that was alarming. They got absolutely blown off the field from the first quarter on. Let me say this and we'll move on. Kyler Murray, the biggest impediment to his career is the mainstream corporate media. Mm. They will cape for him, will cover up for him. Any criticism of him will be defined as racism. And that's the biggest impediment to Kyler Murray and a lot of the black quarterbacks. It's one of the reasons why I love Lamar Jackson so much is because he's not into excuses. No one cares, just work harder. That's been his mantra. It's, it's one of the reasons why he's had success and continues to have success. But when I look at Cam Newton, when I look at Kyler Murray, when I even look, and, and Dak Prescott is, you know, I think a rock solid guy. But that little cocoon that the corporate media, the woke media tries to put these black quarterbacks in eventually cripples them and is probably going to cripple Kyler Murray. All right, let's move on. Uh, Aaron Rodgers and the mm. Green Bay Packers. Uh, had a very interesting day. They came into the game with some injuries to their offensive line. No Devontae Adams. No no really premier number one wide receiver. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, how concerned, scale of one to ten, what's your level of concern for Aaron Rodgers this season? Okay, so throughout the day, I'm watching games, and I'm taking copious notes on this new device here called the Index Card. Call me Korean Dr. Z, Paul Zimmerman. And as I'm watching the Packers, uh, I just said this, Aaron, don't relax. I would P-A-N-I-C. My level of concern <laughs> is 20. They're bad. And it all started with that go route to that rookie, Christian Watson. He just absolutely he didn't even drop it. To drop the ball, you got to at least have a chance to catch it and touch it. He, it was unbelievable. And it was a symbolism for the whole day that Jordy Nelson ain't walking through that door. James Jones ain't walking through that. Where's Greg Jennings? Does he have a few out routes left in him? And one of their better drives that they had, I thought was really interesting, that they threw like three swing passes to A.J. Dillon um, and Jones. And I'm thinking to myself, this is sad that this has gotten to a point that Aaron Rodgers, one of the great arm talents we have ever seen, is now reduced to check down Charlie. And you could read his facial expression, and you can read his body language. I think he knows life without Devontae Adams is going to be very difficult. But let me put some of this on Aaron Rodgers. When a veteran quarterback either goes to a new team or has a new set of receivers, you hear it all the time, Jason, that they invite him out or they have their own practice. He flies out the guys and says, let's do some throwing. I'm going to nurture you guys. I'm going to babysit you guys. I'm going to coach you through this. I don't ever hear that with Aaron. Aaron's just kind of doing his own thing, Do, going on these resorts, going up into the Himalayas, trying new medicines. I, I just don't see those football things from Aaron Rodgers like other guys. So some of this has to be placed on him. I'm going to defend Aaron Rodgers while defending your take. Not going to disagree with it. But this is an organization that foolishly drafted Jordan Love. They have the most talented quarterback in the NFL. 
in a league where quarterbacks are now playing into their 40s and they waste a pick on Jordan Love when they could have been getting Aaron Rodgers the help that he needed. I blame this on the organization. I, 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 and this will sound like, well, he's contradicting. I thought Aaron Rodgers, there's these quarterbacks that uh, can carry a team even when they yeah. don't have things around him. Yeah. Uh, same standard as, as, as Dak yeah. Prescott. Aaron yeah. Rodgers has four MVP trophies. He's mm. Aaron Rodgers, okay. has won a Super Bowl. Aaron Rodgers is a proven, proven commodity. He needs pieces, or, uh, some pieces around him to work with. <laughs> This is on the organization. Why they would draft a Jordan Love with a first-round pick a couple years ago, everybody needs to be fired over that decision. All right, so the bottom line is this. We'll wrap it up on that. So he wouldn't take the vaccine, but he really needs a booster outside. Got it. Got it. There you go. Exactly. That's exactly what needs to happen. All right, uh, look, the Patriots always have problems in Miami. I think they went down to Miami early trying to acclimate themselves to the hot weather. Doesn't work. They get boat raced pretty, you know, relative. They got drilled. They, they, Miami was in control of that game from start to finish. Uh, Mac Jones, I looked average. Are we witnessing the end of the Belichick Patriots dynasty? How much shine is coming off Bill Belichick absent Tom Brady? A lot. And I am a, a believer in Belichick. I believe that he is one of the great coaches of all time, if not the greatest. However, when you lose Josh McDaniel, who has been a premier elite offensive coordinator who knew how to structure an offense, whether it was Tom Brady or a young rookie who had a pretty good season last year. And now he's going to actually, I believe, Matt Patricia, who's been a defensive coach his whole life. He's, he's part of your as a co-offensive coordinator. And this is, look, you don't want to overreact to week one. Maybe Belichick puts it together, and this is a 13-win team out of nowhere. But you talk or you read the coverage about the New England Patriots. Going back to week one of the preseason, this offense has been an absolute mess. It really has been. And can we be honest about Belichick as the GM? At one point, he was Jimmy Johnson-esque in terms of drafting players and, and ac the acquisition of talent. Offensively, as you look outside, they've been a full decade since they really drafted what I would call a good, solid receiver. They've had a lot of busts outside, and Mac Jones has certain limitations that you have to work around. And again, that second and third time around the league, that those programs or those coaching staffs they absolutely wall you into what you cannot do well. I, I think this is a team that's really going to struggle. I, I'm absolutely stunned that Belichick did not do a better job of replacing Josh McDaniel. I'm not surprised that maybe some shine is coming off Bill Belichick, and, and, and it does not in any way diminish what he accomplished. The guy's just been at it for so long it's just hard for me to believe he can rebuild another dynasty in New England after having a 20-year reign. Anybody's going to fall. Muhammad Ali fell off at the end. And so maybe that's what we're looking at here uh, with Belichick last year and again this year is this is Leon Spinks beating up Muhammad Ali. This is uh, uh, Larry Holmes 
you know, come, come get him, throw in the towel. You know, this is, this is in the Larry Holmes oh, holding up Muhammad Ali. Uh, I, I just think I won't. I'm not going to jump overboard and to be like, well, Belichick was overrated and Tom Brady carried him. I'm just going to, man, when you've been doing it that long, eventually you just can't do it anymore. And maybe that's what we're seeing here in New England with Bill Belichick. Yeah, players matter. Look, did, did Brady make a difference? Of course. Uh, I'm, I'm of the belief that when you have Tom Brady as a football coach, your IQ goes up 100 points because players matter, especially quarterbacks but I go back to this when I didn't know that Matt Patricia was going to be part of the play calling process and and I'm thinking wait a minute first of all the guy played the guy called defensive plays that's how he got the Detroit job okay and then I look back at his run at Detroit they weren't exactly putting up great offensive numbers I I just don't understand the thought process of hiring a career-long defensive coach to run your offense to replace Josh McDaniel. It just makes no sense. Well, I don't think they were that good offensively last year with Josh McDaniels, but you're right. I don't think they improved things uh, replacing him with uh, Matt Patricia. Uh, I want to move on uh, to two interesting quarterbacks in the AFC. Uh, that struggled Joe Burrow and Derek Carr through several, many, three interceptions, I believe, apiece yesterday. Both lose. Uh, I thought it looked like at the end Cincinnati was going to pull it out against the Pittsburgh Steelers. They get an extra point block. Game goes to overtime. They end up losing. Derek Carr loses to the Chargers, which is kind of predictable. Although, what, didn't Stephen A. Smith predict, did he predict the Raiders were going to score the most points? Or the Chargers are going to score the most points. I, I can't remember, but uh, the Raiders end up losing to the Chargers. Who's, who are you more concerned about, Joe Burrow or Derek Carr? Believe it or not, Burrow. And I'll tell you why. That offensive line in Cincinnati doesn't look any better. And I am a big advocate of Burrow. I thought his 2019 in LSU may have been one of the three greatest seasons I've ever seen in college football. However, let's look back at their Super Bowl run in the playoffs. The Titans gave that game away, specifically Ryan Tannehill. And there aren't a lot of games where a quarterback gets hit or sacked nine times and you win the game. I think that's what happened in the first round. Patrick Mahomes, I thought, at the end of the half of that championship game, swung that momentum. The Bengals won a lot of close games in the playoffs. I thought they were a couple of years ahead of schedule. And just looking at that overall game, that was coached and prepared by Zach Taylor. Mario Cristobal at Miami has a great phrase. There are no little things. They all matter. A thing is a thing. And looking at that team, when you get kicks blocked, you can't protect the football. You don't block well up front. You commit done penalties. I, I'll i be frank. And again, it's a 17-week marathon. We all overreact in week one. But I'm going to ask you this, Jason. Didn't the Bengals look like a team that either is going to have a Super Bowl loss hangover or one that's going to come back down to earth? They look like a team that's going to come back down to earth because you're right, they got away with murder last year with that offensive line and all the hits that Joe Burrow took. And look, when a young quarterback, particularly a young quarterback, takes too many hits early in his career, it has a lasting impact. Joe Burrow plays with a swagger. 
and that's part of his gimmick stick, part of his intangibles that he brings to the table. It's hard to play with a swagger when you're getting up off the ground too many times in the NFL. And so the offensive line not looking improved is very concerning for me. I can't believe we're in agreement here. I'm more concerned yes. with Joe Burrow than I am Derek Carr. And that's because, one, the expectations for Joe Burrow a bit higher uh, than Derek Carr. Derek Carr has the excuse, not, not that Joe Burrow's in an easy division, but he's in the AFC North. They don't have, they got Lamar Jackson in that division, but the AFC West is loaded with quarterbacks, including Russell Wilson, who, who we'll see tonight, and Justin Herbert, who they just lost to, and Patrick Mahomes. I'm more concerned about Joe Burrow. We're in agreement there. Uh, let's move on to uh, probably my favorite question today. More impressive, Bills or the Chiefs, mm. Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen? Oh, you mean that elite guy from Wyoming? You mean this year's future <laughs> MVP, Josh? Well, was he? It's not even a perfect game. But led by offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey, boy, there's going to be some big things happening in Buffalo. That was a thorough whipping the Buffalo Bills gave to the defending Super Bowl champions. That game wasn't even as close as the score indicated. Josh Allen, the only thing I do not like, Jason, he still takes too many hits. For a quarterback to be that physical, who can throw like that, I think it's unnecessary. And that's the only concern that I have is he's going to get banged out and there could be a physical erosion. But I believe the Bills were the most impressive team of week one to go into the home of the world champions and just stifle them in every single way. And they actually left meat on the bone offensively. Boy, th this is a team that if they do not get to the Super Bowl, short of a rash of injuries, it'll feel like a huge disappointment. And the great thing about the Bills, they're one of the few teams in the National Football League. They have true depth at the defensive line. They come in waves, and if you get behind them, they could just start to pin their ear back with loads of pass rushers. This is a complete football team, Jason. Steve, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, to think that the Buffalo Bills overcame the loss of Tyreek Hill to Miami and still looked at – oh, wait. Oh, that's right. It's the Chiefs who lost arguably the best wide receiver in football and still came out and kicked Arizona's butt. Patrick Mahomes still came out and looked like the best quarterback in the NFL. Steve, I believe there's one team that lost the fastest man in football and replaced him and came out and looked just as impressive. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs were the most impressive team this weekend. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You, we just spent a segment ripping Kyler Murray and the soft Cardinals. I'm sorry, who you play matters. Look, this is not an indictment on Patrick Mahomes. He's no worse than the second best player. In fact, he'll be the second or third or first best player for the next Steve. nine to ten years. But overall, Matt as Stafford looked like a corpse on Thursday. Matt Stafford looked like a corpse with a dead arm on Thursday. The, just because the Rams are the defending Super Bowl champion doesn't mean they're any good this year. They lost OBJ. Their offensive line, they lost Andrew Whitworth. Look, you're looking at the Rams on paper. I don't think the Rams are going to be that good this year. The Chiefs and what they just did. Tyreek Hill, 
we, we don't even know his name. And no one even cares about Tyreek Hill this morning in Kansas City because Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, and all the guys they got to replace uh, Tyreek Hill is business as usual in Kansas City. The same OBJ you just ripped to shreds every week. And suddenly, oh, now he's prime Henry Ellard. I, I am so glad I'm here to check you on this. You're double-talking worse than Stephen A. Smith. One team's going to score more points. The other one's going to win. Jay, you can't have it both ways. Either OBJ is a distraction and a washed-up guy, or he's an all-pro. Which is it? Stephen A. Whitlock. Well, it just depends on depends on which argument I want to make. Uh, I, I want to keep it moving. I want to keep it moving. Uh Two quarterbacks in the NFC East had very interesting days, very interesting outcomes. Uh, Carson Wentz and the Washington Commanders knock off Jacksonville, wins those four TDs. Jalen Hurts leads a huge romp uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, who's going to have a better season, Carson Wentz or Jalen Hurts? All right, I used to be a big fan, but now it's Carson Wentz. Some of the stuff he does, that's exactly what he makes me do, Wentz. Jalen Hurts, I was not a believer as a longtime starting quarterback. I'm beginning to believe, and for one reason. It was the Lions, Steve. It was the Lions. It was the Lions. Continue. Hey, I love Dan Campbell. Best (laughs) HBO uh, character this side of Damon. But, look, other players can elevate others. I have a question for the Tennessee Titans. What was the rush to get rid of A.J. Brown? He looks like he's going to be dynamic, and he's been a great pro. And I think he's fairly young. I did not understand that, but looking at that Eagles offense, and Sirianni seems to be a really bright offensive coach, I, I'm i becoming more and more a Hurts guy, believe it or not. I would not have said that two years ago, but I just call it like I see it. I kind of like what's going over there in the city of brotherly love. Again, A.J. Brown, that's the key. I, I'm going to be a wimp, and, so, and, and I ask this question, and I don't want to answer because I need more information. One team played the Lions, the other played the Jaguars. Right, the Jaguars. Carson the Wentz. The Jags. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Carson Wentz threw a couple of picks. You know, not – I'm a Carson Wentz guy, though, because when he was a rookie, I fell in love, made a big deal, and, and want him to be the guy. I, I, if if I had if there was a gun to my head, I'm gonna go Carson. I like both of these Ooh. guys. Jalen Hurts, I was saying, one day could be president of the United States. Uh, so all the intangibles for oh. both of these guys are are tremendous. But if I had to, I just think Carson Wentz is a better passer than Jalen Hurts, and I think that's going to be rewarded at some point. So I'm gonna say Carson Wentz has a better season. Jason, if you go back to Wentz, had a pretty good rookie year. His second year, he was trending towards the MVP. People forget how good he was. And it was that fateful day when the Rams were still playing at the Coliseum. I'll never forget it. Instead of running out of bounds near the goal line and acting like a quote-unquote white quarterback, he tried to dive into the end zone. They wrecked his knee. Jason, can we be honest about it? He's never been the same. It's never been that same guy. And I was rooting like crazy for this to work out in Indianapolis. And for 15, 16 weeks last season, that was one of the great feel-good stories of the year. And he had Jonathan Taylor, who is an absolute workhorse franchise back, but he imploded late. 
that his old coach even said, we got to get going. Now they have Matt Ryan. That's an indictment on Wentz, is it not? A little bit, but we'll see. I I have not given up on Carson Wentz, (laughs) and I wish him well. Last but not least, uh, as far well, not quite last, because I'm going to do one more with you, and I'm going to bring Jill Savage out here for the next one after this. But anyway, uh, bigger balls, and I think we'll both be in agreement here. Who had the bigger balls this weekend? Brian Dabble, new coach of the Giants, who went for two, went for the victory against the Tennessee Titans and was rewarded. Or Lamar Jackson, who Easy. walked away from his contract talks, went out there and played uh, without his contract extension and led the Ravens to an easy victory. It looked like his old self. Uh, Lamar Jackson, you know, all three touchdown passes from the pocket. Bigger balls, Dabble or Jackson? Oh, Lamar. It's not even close. Look, da- uh, the a first-year coach with a bad team on the road as an underdog going for two will never really get ripped. I mean, first of all, the book says if you're on the road, you're the inferior team, try to win that game with one play. Plus, it's game one, okay? As for Lamar Jackson, he is playing for hundreds of millions of dollars with really no safety net with what is, I believe, a more dangerous style of quarterbacking. So there's no doubt in terms of who's really playing Russian roulette with live bullets, it's that man, L. Jax. Not even close. Yeah, I got to agree with you, uh, Cosell. Lamar Jackson, clearly the bigger balls here. Dabo, he's playing with house money. It's his first game. He's playing the Tennessee Titans. No one's expecting to win. Uh, it's a bad look for Mike Vrabel and the Titans mm. and Ryan Tannehill that they mm-hmm. lost that game. But Lamar Jackson to go out there and do what he did from the pocket uh, and as a passer uh, with all that pressure on him trying to get a a contract done, uh, pretty impressive. All right, Steve, I'm going to have you stick around because I want to talk a little bit about did Tom Brady snub Giselle and his kids? Uh, Do we have more clues into what's going on with Giselle and Tom? Are, Are we looking at the breakup of another celebrity couple? Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, welcome back. Jason Whitlock, Fearless with Jason Whitlock. We're still joined by the Korean Cosell uh, Steve Kim, but we're now also joined by the very lovely uh, Jill Savage uh, because we want to talk about, and you'll also see uh, Tiffany Odom and uh, Lauren Chin also here in studio with us, but for right now it's just going to be me, Jill, and Steve talking about Tom Brady and Giselle. Uh, our good friend Michelle Tafoya, friend of the show, noticed something very interesting with Brady's uh, post-game press conference. She said that, Michelle said that, generally speaking, Tom always mentions Giselle and his kids at the end of his press conferences uh, on field. 
He did not last night, which is fueling speculation that there maybe there is problems uh, with Brady and Giselle, uh, America's first couple. Anyway, let's take a look at the post-game interview, and I'll ask Steve and Jill what they read into it. Tom said to us last night, what a way to start the season on the road yeah. on Sunday night and with a win. You said that falls for the defense? Yeah, defense uh, deserves this. They played amazing, and um, we have a lot to clean up. Obviously, it was a pretty bad performance in the red area by us. Um, didn't get the ball in the end zone, but good to get a win on opening night, and um, we have a lot of football ahead. So try to get healthy and go play a team that we've struggled with the last couple years in the Saints next week. You are officially now the oldest quarterback to start a game in the NFL. What was it like to get back out here? I've been one of the oldest guys for a long time. So, um, you know, it was fun to be out here playing with my teammates and um, just enjoying the game, enjoying being out here. And we had a good week of practice and it showed up tonight. And we played against a good team, but uh, we obviously can play better too. You said you're 45, you got a lot of stuff going on. You know, everybody ran away with that quote. What is it like, what does it mean for you to get back to football after the offseason that you had? Yeah, you know, I, I've um, I always played a game for my team, my teammates and organization. So just being around them is something I always enjoy. And, um, you know, it keeps me very grounded, very humble. I feel like just one of the guys. So not many places where I can go where I just feel like one of the guys. but. The locker room is definitely one of those places. And you're entering your 23rd season here. Uh, after all your accomplishments, is there something that you have left to prove? Well, I think we all do. I mean, I think every time you take the field, you got something to prove. You know, nothing's promised in this game. It's a violent game. You got to prepare every week. Um, you can't take anything for granted. So, you know, it's a long, hard season. This is one game down on the road, which is a good win, but uh, still a lot of football left. and. It's no time to reminisce about anything. I'm not in that mood. Um, I'm out here to do a job, and I could do a better job than I did tonight. I threw a pretty bad interception, so i got to clean some things up myself. Well, thanks, Tom, and congratulations on the win. Thank you. Appreciate it. Have fun. See you guys. Thank you. Mm, have fun. See you guys. Thank you are his final words. Michelle Tafoya tweeted out last night, almost without fail, uh, Tom Brady would end a post-game interview with me by saying goodnight to his children and saying hello to his beautiful wife. Not tonight. I wish Tom the best in every aspect of his life. Something or nothing, uh, Jill, ladies first. Something or nothing. You read anything into this? Um, well, kudos to Melissa Stark for going out there and asking Tom Brady like 12 post-game questions because usually you don't get that many <laughs> in a post-game interview, but she went right for it. Um, I do think that there's something to this because we saw the 11 days where Tom, you know, he was away from the Bucks and everybody was speculating what what does this mean, right? He wanted the vacation with his family down in the Bahamas, apparently. Um, I, I think that was something that he promised Giselle in the retirement, unretirement is, is kind of what people are, are making this out to be. So, but to me, when you, when you look at that and he's like, oh, the locker room, this is the place where I can be with the guys. This is the only place that I can be me. And it feels like she needs me to let me be me and do some, one more season with the guys. Because when you, when you saw Tom in the retirement at first, it's like, Okay, we all we all thought that he was going to have like maybe one more year. And the fact that it didn't take that long to come out of retirement felt like he never wanted to go into it in the first place. 
and then they're not living together right now. She took the kids down to like Costa Rica, apparently. So I'm thinking that there's something into this, but uh, kudos to Tom Brady because he's the closest thing to Benjamin Button that we have <laughs> on this planet. That was my other takeaways. He does look younger. Uh, Steve Kim, something or nothing? This is interesting. I want to know one thing from Mr. Brady. Are you sleeping next to her? Are you sleeping on the couch? Or is it hotel, motel, holiday inn? That is the question here. Okay? Um, and if they are getting a divorce, I just hope Tom gets a really good alimony settlement and gets what's coming to him. He's put a lot into that marriage. But with that said, I'm going to – look, I'm going to backtrack a little bit and agree with you, Jason. Something you said last week. She should have never retired if he wasn't fully in on it because once you – give something to a relationship like a retirement and then you take it back i can see where giselle gets a little bit angry but it's obvious to me and i think jill touched on it and and this is interesting for him his man cave is a football locker room i mean think about that and so there's no doubt i really believe when you marry a guy like tom brady you're also marrying football that is, I don't know if that's the mistress, but that's the other part of the relationship where it's not completely monogamous. So, look, Giselle, you have it pretty good. Stop acting like you're the soccer mom loading up all the kids in your minivan by yourself. That's not the case. Plus, you get to be married to Tom Brady. Suck it up. Be disciplined. Live with it. Jeez. Sick of it. <laughs> Tom Brady, he, he seems like a pretty good family man. If you take out uh, what his engagement previously with Bridget Moyahan, if you just skip over that whole thing, when yeah. he married and the Giselle baby, and, and the, the baby, baby and the side baby. Yeah. Or once the extra once baby. he became married to Giselle, he became a really good family man. And he would talk about his parents all the time uh, post game and saying how how important that relationship was to him, how important his family was to him. So this is kind of surprising to see the rifts between them because it was made to be such a public big deal to him before. Yeah, and guys, one and, last and thing. Go, go ahead, Steve. Go ahead. The I'm going to have Tom Brady, I've seen footage ahead. of this. When he goes on vacation, wherever he goes, he doesn't just pack a football. He literally brings a helmet and a shoulder pads when he's throwing to simulate a game. If that wasn't a signal that you married a football player, you are just blind. Giselle knew what she was getting into. I hear you, and I and I just I can't believe Jill. It almost sounds like you're siding with Tom Brady. Mm. I don't think that I'm siding with Tom, but like, is this a surprise to anyone that Tom wants to play football? Like he's saying on vacation, this is what you're doing. Okay, but Tom also wanted to be married, right? And th- that they probably took some vows in front of God. I think right. there's some, and so I think she has a right. And, and keep him. I like Tom Brady. Love what he represents as a football player. But I'm just not on Team Tom on this. He told this woman he was retiring. She, everybody has, like, they see a light at the end of the tunnel, and they set expectations based on that. Okay, he's done 22 years of football. This is it. Now it's going to be me, Tom, and these kids. And she's pissed off and disappointed. I'm speculating. And to me, Tom Brady, this, he looks real selfish. He ran Bruce Arians out of a job because yep. he wanted things his way in Tampa Bay. Now he wants things his way with his wife when she clearly has a different set of expectations that I think 
she's entitled to. I'm just not on Team Tom here wow. at all. Tom. I'm not on. T- I, I see exactly what you're saying. And we've both been in sports for a very long time. And we know a lot of athletes and their relationships. It's surprising to me that you're surprised by this, honestly, because of all of the marriages that we see in sports. And if you're a coach, if you're a player, football in a lot of those relationships has come first. I'm not sitting here surprised. Are athletes and people super successful? Do they tend to be selfish and narcissistic? Yes. That's what we're seeing here from Tom Brady, and that's why I'm on Team Giselle. All right. Jason, let me just make one Steve, last point here. If you actually look at the go NFL ahead. season, it's the shortest season of all the major professional sports, right? Basically, Labor Day weekend all the way till February, really late January. Then you get the rest of the offseason. It's not even like baseball where you go on these two-week road trips, NBA similar, NHL similar. In the National Football League, a lot of these players get to sleep in their own bed five days a week prior to the game. And they have months off. They go to a training camp. They go to a mini camp. But for the most part, they get to be there. I I don't look. If Tom wants to play football, let him play football. This is what he does. This is what he's defined by. This is not what he does. This is who he is. And look, do I think he made a tactical error by announcing his retirement in the first place? Yes. But Giselle has a good life. I'm sorry. This is not like that beleaguered wife. Uh, married to Willie Loman. Let's be honest about this. Come on, she has it pretty good, even now. You know, I'm done with. I'm, I'm not done with you. I'm done talking about this because you're starting to irritate me. I want to get to House of the Dragon. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm gonna get your take on House of the Dragon, but let's play our little House of the Dragon intro. All right, I watched House of the Dragon last night. I thought it sucked. I'm now hate watching House of the Dragon. I think I don't like any of these people. It's turned into a soap opera. It's turned into softcore porn. Uh, it, it's 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 a show that has a clear message of that there are no rewards for morality. I'm now hate watching House of the Dragon. It, it's, it's nothing like, or I won't say nothing, but it's, it's too far removed from Game of Thrones. Steve, I'm gonna give you the first take and then I'm gonna let you go because I know you've been watching and I asked you to watch it. Uh, get us rolling here. I don't like House of the Dragon. I'm gonna continue watching it, but I don't like wow. it right now. This is amazing because all those reasons you listed is why I'm loving it. And Damon, the house of the Damon, this guy's dominating the show. Oh, God. Okay. The episode yesterday, as much as I like Damon, um, it actually disgusted me. That well, I thought he was being the good uncle, taking little Prince's Riri out, you know, showing them a good time. Then they go into the house of ill repute. I'm thinking, oh, God, Damon. But when he started, like, kind of hitting on her, and I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no, this is some R. Kelly stuff. Keep this trapped in a closet. Keep that down low. (laughs) And I think I saw some tongue, and I'm like, oh, gee. But Damon showed some restraints. And you know what, Damon, you're okay. But then little Riri goes out there and crowns the knight. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. Is that? Wait, wait. First of all, we had some second-level incest. Now we have some pedophilia. So there's all sorts of messages. But the fact that Damon is back in the bad graces of everybody and is going to be an enemy, 
Oh, yeah. I'm not hate-watching. I'm love-watching The House of the Damon. What a great show. But again, I was disgusted at the end when they gave her the T and it wasn't Lipton to um, write some ill wrongs. And I'm like, is this an abortion message? I hated that. But Jason, I can't lie. You got me hooked on something. I'm enjoying it. Damon, keep up the bad work. I'm enjoying it. See, this is why I only wanted you on for a short time. Bye, Steve, because your take is terrible Bye. and it's wrong. All your takes today. Bye. Bye. Uh, Damon didn't pop his little blue pill last night, and that's why he came up short. Uh, basically. And, and you know what's weird? When I was first watching it, I had to go, I had to watch the extra stuff at the end where they talked to figure out that he didn't sleep with her. Uh, so the whole, if you don't watch the extra stuff or read the reviews, you can get misled. But anyway. Lauren, I don't like I don't like House of Dragon. It's too negative for me. There, there was a lot of things that happened last uh, last night's episode. And previously, I was on here. I, I said I was a big fan of Damon's character, and I, I just want to preface this uh, by saying I'm still interested in his character. Obviously, like pedophilia plus incest, not cool. Uh, but if, if people have followed Fire and Blood, they knew that this was going to happen. That there is this kind of relationship that's blossoming between uncle and niece. And we had some incest in Game of Thrones uh, between Cersei and Jaime and then later toward uh, Daenerys and Jon. I would say this incest is actually worse if we are if we can quantify and rank incest because we actually have uncle versus niece. So not only is there the, I guess, blood relation, but there's also the, the age difference, right? I mean, supposedly this is a girl he's seen grow up and now he's like, he's preying upon her. Um, I actually think, though, that you know him taking her to the brothel and kind of being seen uh, making out with her. I think that was purposeful on his part because I think, and you know, you talked about how you like that kind of fight for power aspect of Game of Thrones. I do think that this was more than just an incest scene. I think this was Damon trying to ruin Rhaenyra's reputation so that then, oh, no one else wants to marry her. I, I guess I'll I'll marry the queen, you know, uh, if if no one else will take her. So and and we did see Damon very quickly offer that to his brother. So I think I think this was actually being a little bit strategic on Damon's part, not just a pervy uncle. I don't like it, Tiffany. I like it, but I like the gore of it, and it's very evil too. But <laughs> and you like the you like I don't the know. I like scary movies and like weird stuff. So. Not this episode, but the episode before that we didn't talk on. Yeah. I really loved it. I loved when the dragon came in and Damon was flying on it. And the guy's like, Prince! And the dragon just <laughs> smashed him. And I was like, oh my God, that was so awesome. But, you know. I <laughs> but, and then I also love, like, the how graphic, like, the crabs are. Um, I just, I think it's. All the outdoor stuff. This yeah. is a hunter and a fisher. Oh, wait a minute. My favorite part <laughs> was when she came in after killing that hog with yes. all the blood on her. Yes. And I loved that. <laughs> <laughs> and she showed all those men. She was all like, right. even though he, the, what was it, the knight killed the hog? Yeah. But he gave her credit. <laughs> all right. We're, we're watching for different reasons. She's watching <laughs> people kill. Jill, I, I, don't, I don't like the show anymore. I can see why you don't like the show, but I'm still intrigued, and it's different than Game of Thrones, but we have to look at it for what it is, because they're going and covering so much time so quickly in this series, where Game of Thrones, we had way more 
character development, but now we jump from, you know, no children to, oh, here's this baby that's now two and three years old for Aegon, and, and you just see the, the development so quickly, and we don't get to know the ins and outs of the characters before they make giant leaps forward in the plot line. And I think that has some underlying effects as a viewer trying to get to know these characters, but also very disgusting with the incest. and. When you look at not only the uncle, but she says, um, the king says that she is going to marry the, sneeze, the sea snake's son. She said in the post show that that is technically her cousin as well. Yeah, so, but that's like a second cousin. Listen, Does that even count as incest? I mean, the, you know. to be true to the Targaryen bloodlines, yeah. we are still going to make you marry a relative of some kind. Yeah. Here's, I'm going to jump off both of y'all's points, and it's going to get even deeper on why I don't like this show. You sort of mentioned lack of character development. And, and you mentioned that, hey, perhaps Damon's trying to ruin her reputation, which is a good thought. But they need to make this clear. And it's just like, even with the hand, Otto, I'm unclear what his motives are. Are his motives negative? Are they, were they really trying to do what was best for King Viserys when he squealed on Rhaenyra? What were his motivations? And, and again, when a show, unlike Game of Thrones, that had all these different plot lines and characters spread out all over the Seven Kingdoms or whatever, this is basically f focusing in on one family, and I'm not sure of the motivations of the characters here, and it, things need to be made more clearly rather than vague. Because again, if, if I had understood in any kind of way, oh, the Damon's being like Littlefinger, because it seemed like when Littlefinger in Game of Thrones, when he was doing something nefarious or whatever, I understood. It was kind of clear, what, oh, he's doing this to try to provoke X, Y, and Z. I don't understand Otto's motivation, Clearly enough, clearly he wants his grandson to be king or whatever. Uh, but I can't, I can't really tell if he was trying to screw over the king or even Renara by telling it, by telling on her. And and everybody's motivation. There just doesn't. I don't. I just don't care about any of these people. And for me, someone that has never shied away from uh, nudity in TV shows or whatever. But th this. That, that, they spent 20 minutes on that brothel stuff. And, and, and they portrayed everything so over the top. Allison's life is miserable. She's having sex with some old man who's got sores all over himself. And, but uh, Renara's out having the time of her life. She's out at the strip clubs and kicking it. And uh, you know comes home and she's having great sex with some guy. First, and it's been a long time, and I know I'm old, but the first time you have sex, it doesn't look like a scene from a movie. <laughs> and so here's this little 17, 18-year-old girl. First time she's having sex, she knows exactly what she's doing. Well, she had the experience from the brothel, right? Clearly she was paying attention. <laughs> yeah, she took mental notes yeah. and went home, and then she had to get all that armor off, which is, you know, a sign of the times. It takes a little bit longer to, to think this through. Which I told you she was going to get with that night. I, 
I, I did. I told no, you. I, I, I agree. I mean, it, that, it makes sense. That, but it, it sounds like, according to my cousin, who's read all the books, she's going to be a big whore, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know. And so she's going to bang everybody. She may bang Christian and David. She may fly to uh, <laughs> Nashville. Who knows? But I, I'm just, I was just kind of turned off like, I don't need 20 minutes to get your point here that because I think it started with Allison was holding her crying baby and then you know it's she gets woken up in the middle of the night at 1 a.m. Uh, what do they call it the owl's hour or whatever <laughs> and to, she to got she got the medieval equivalent of the you up text pretty yeah, much. Yes. yeah she got booty called by the king and <laughs> and, and she's miserable it, everything just seems over the top marriage is terrible Women have it horrible. Life would be better if they were all men. Renard's the happiest we've ever seen her on the show. Someone mistook her for a boy. She goes, oh, he thought I was a boy. And so the messaging and just the unlikableness of the characters is just turning me off. Well, I do agree that they, especially the past episode, really was were driving home the message that being a woman sucks under patriarchy. But I, I kind of took issue with that because, I mean, on, on the one hand, specifically with Allison and Viserys, they, they have been kind of portraying them as actually compatible together. They're both more of the soft-spoken characters. They seem to get along. And so I was like, okay, that's nice that that worked out. But they're also still in that one scene where he's just on top of her and she's clearly not having a good time portraying it as like this terrible thing that she is a queen who has children and is married to someone who for the time she seems to actually have a good relationship with so it's like hang on a second is this you're, you're like I'm trying to they're trying to push the message that Allison's life is terrible it doesn't seem that terrible I mean we were talking about this last time we discussed the show there are probably male soldiers dying all the time you know I just I'm with regard to the the relationship that Allison's in, it just it doesn't seem like she has the worst life in all of Westeros, especially when we just saw like, how many soldiers die on the crab feeder thing. I look at it, and I, I'm right there with you. When you look at what Allison has been doing, she has to get married for power, mm -hmm. right? She has no power inherently, so she had to get the king and by way of her father and the manipulation and everything that went into that. But just the the way that they showed Rhaenyra going out with her little fling and Alicent going and having to, you know, perform her marital duties, that scene was very powerful and just saying, oh, look, one is good, one is bad, when in, you know, if you have any morals stuck to this, it's the exact opposite of what the show would be portraying, but it's HBO and they all want to make sure that everybody can just go out in 60s revolution and go, go have yourselves a good time. Yeah, brothel with, with your uncle's sex yeah. is way better than marriage. For sure. <laughs> and, and just in case you're wondering, we have that potion tea for you at the end, right. even in medieval times, that, that you still don't have to worry about being stuck with a baby, quote unquote. I'm going to ask a very inappropriate question. Uh, you know, because I don't one, I don't know the answer to it, but just I'm asking everybody to be real. It, let's if you could go back to medieval times, and you're 17 years old or whatever the, these Allison is supposed to be, is being married to the king, at whatever age the king is, is it really that miserable? In that time for, you're married to the king. That's the thing. I wouldn't think so. 
I mean, I would, like, Allison, she's got kids, married, again, queen, gets to see her dad all the time. I, I, I don't know. Just, I, Doesn't I have like, to worry about being raped, beaten yeah. over the head. <laughs> yeah, that's a good life. But I'd, I'd hate to be married to that old man, though. <laughs> but you might be married to an old man either way. But you get, yeah. yeah. Right? Regular people might have old men that they're like, hey, by the way, we need some Doesn't cattle that over in here. The world now? Yeah. Yeah. And, so, and, he's, and that's the thing, like, Viserys, he's a weak king, but I don't think he's bad to Allison. Again, age king different, Joffrey. whatever. <laughs> yeah, right. exactly. That's right. Yeah, and, and I don't, and maybe you've read the books. Is there a point? to this disease that seems to be ravaging him not, other than... Not that I remember, but in the books, they do say that the like the Iron Throne will kill an unfit king kind of thing. Um, so I, I don't know if that's what they're trying to... Because I, I mean, I don't want to get into spoilers for the show. It's sort of hard to talk about, but it, this, this isn't like him being cut on the throne isn't something that I remember being a big, a big deal in, in Blood and Fire. Yeah, I, I just... I can't... Other than... Last night I was like, okay, well the the sores and everything is just to show like Allison has the worst life. She's got this disease king that she's having. You know, I don't know why they just didn't give him herpes. Uh, <laughs> just just leave it at that. But that, again, I I can't. I just find it, and I, the New York Times article called it a soap opera. And I thought that was accurate. And, and Game of Thrones didn't feel like a soap opera to me. It, it, again, it felt bigger than that. But this, this feels like All My Children set to medieval. Do y'all even know who All My Children yeah. is? Yes. Yeah, set to mm -hmm. medieval time. Uh, that was my favorite soap opera as a kid. Uh, and so th th there's no sense of humor with this show. That was the other thing I was thinking last night. I was like, man, they need the imp. Yeah, need we need some. a Tyrion Lannister fast in this show. Who makes who comes on the scene and makes you smile? No one. Anytime yeah. I saw the imp, I had a little something funny was going to happen or something fun was going to happen. It's all dark and evil. All of it. And we like that? Well, <laughs> I told I told you I like the gore. Yes. I didn't say the evil. I just, well, I guess that's evil, but I like gore. I don't know. Well, something that may change your opinion of the show is that we were talking before we started filming that this next episode is going to be the last episode where we have the younger actresses for yeah. Rhaenyra and Allison, because then there's going to be, we've been having small time jumps. There's going to be an even bigger time jump. And so obviously we know that the show is going to be about a, a Targaryen civil war. So maybe after that bigger time jump, we're going to be focusing less on sleeping gossip brothel stuff and more on actual power struggle there's going to be actual battles and it, it'll be a little bit more macro because I, I, I agree with what you're saying this seems a lot more just like interpersonal drama with teenage girls than game of thrones ever was it's gonna hook jason back in they're supposed yeah. to cover all the years right is it 172 years well, in this one season like it's gonna cover no i don't think within this one season but that's something we don't know is like how that's what like, I thought. I heard. No, not in ten episodes. They're not going to cover hundred. Well, I think that's yeah. why they're jumping in time so fast. Yeah, but I think they're plan. They've already renewed season two of House of the Dragon. Oh, they did. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I don't think they're not going to do this in ten episodes. I, I, again, this show seems targeted at little girls. I hope. I hope they're not watching this. 
I, I hope parents out there realize, okay, HBO probably a red flag, but also it's like coming from George R. R. Martin, this is not a kid's show. Do not let your kids watch this. Don't it, you think kids are watching it? Though? I think they are. They probably they are. Be. And I, I do look at it, and it, for me, when you look at the feminist aspect, it's really strange because they try and portray feminism as like the good thing, but when you look at the show itself and what is happening right now, the women are not coming out on top. And it, it, it feels like mixed messages, not just that clear Rhaenyra is going to go out and be, you know, the, the perfect person. And it's it, I would write it differently if I was trying to get a strict feminist message across. They are still trying to get feminism across. I think they're just doing it very poorly for what they would perceive as. No, they're strengthening in their argument. There's the feminist argument. They're saying that, like, men are scum. Men have set up a world that exploits young girls and women, and that's why we have what we have today. This, this was all plotted a thousand years ago or 1,500 years ago or whenever. And, and I, I think it's directed at young girls, and because what, when they do this time jump, what they've planted the seed for, to me, and this is because I haven't read the books, but Renera and Allison will probably be despicable human beings as adults. And you will have been told, well, the reason they're despicable human beings is because of this world that men put them in. And, th that, and no one else has a redeeming quality or character. There's no heroes. Maybe this Sir Christian, maybe the guy that she slept with, Maybe he turns out to be the good guy, but right now it's it's just a hate watch for me. I may start watching Ring of Power. Ring, Ring Rings of Power. Okay, so you should definitely start watching that, but that will also invariably be a hate watch for you because it is terrible. Well, at least this is interesting, though, right? It's interesting. I'm this not, is interesting. Yeah, it I, is. I, yeah. You find it interesting? Yeah. I'm not. I wouldn't watch the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, it's it's bad. the new one. Yeah, I like the old one, not the new one. Lord of the Rings sounds more nerdy, so I'm going to stick with this show. <laughs> In comparison to Game of Thrones, yes. your thoughts on this show for episode two? Uh, Game of Thrones last season was standing. Game of Thrones wins far and wide. But again, I think it is because we don't have any of the character development because we are rushing through and, and doing all these time jumps. Um, but they could add some humorous dialogue along the way. That would not kill the show. We, we need it. We need a, a comic relief every now and then. They're not, really, they're not really letting you get attached to the characters at all. Yeah, which again, I, I'm going, I don't think it's the time jump thing because Game of Thrones had so many characters and so many different storylines going on everywhere that they're just focusing on a handful of people. Right. And, and Again, none of them are any good, and maybe, maybe that's true. The Targaryens and everything was so bad, but there's got to be some good in the world. That, that, but, you know, TV, pop culture has moved completely away from that thing. They're, they're, again, I'll go back to my point. They're, they're, the whole point of Hollywood and corporate media seems to be there's, just, there's no reward for morality. Well, and I guess what the people who wrote the show probably think is that Rhaenyra's feminism that is the morality. That is what's good in this show. But obviously, if you don't agree with that, then that kind of leaves nothing. But I think from the people who are writing it, their perspective, her 
coming into her own and being a strong, independent woman, that's probably like the moral compass of the show. And maybe that's why I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you, guys. Uh, you know, later this week, I've asked Lauren to come back because The Woman King is coming out, the new Viola Davis uh, movie. And so hopefully we'll review that on Friday. So uh, more pop culture talk on Fearless. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Nothing in life like freedom Came like a fighter, strike like a ladder Making all this moves for freedom I want freedom No negotiation, my system, no relation We all just want to have freedom Sitting on the corner, never been alone I'm breaking my back for freedom Bless, we are living, get back We are receiving all the seed When we all want to be free we want freedom I just want, I wanna be I just want, I wanna be I just want, I wanna be I just want